Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the uh, prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, very uh, short passage, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. I invite you to follow along. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One night, there was a ship that was uh, moving across the ocean, and the captain of that ship saw a faint light out in the distance. And so the captain turned to his signalman and said, I want you to send a message. Alter your course 10 degrees north. Well, he did that. But then a little later, a message came back which said, alter your course 10 degrees south. Well, this captain was furious. His command was being disobeyed. And so he turned to the signalman and said, I want you to send another message. Tell him, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a captain. Sure enough, a message came back a little while later. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am Seaman, third class Jones. Well, by this time, as you can imagine, that captain was fit to be tied. And so he turned to the signalman to send that message that was specifically designed to strike terror in the hearts of that lower ranking officer. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a battleship. A little later, a message came back. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a lighthouse. See, the lighthouse would not... Okay. It's cold. It's early. early. Well, in the darkness and the tension and the confusion of our lives, there are lots of voices out there telling us what to do, how to live, what to believe. Into our darkness has come a voice that is different from all the others. And that voice is the voice of Jesus Christ. I'm uh, continuing my sermon series this morning on the I am statements of Jesus with his claim, I am the light of the world. And so I invite you to join me for the uh, second scripture reading of uh, today. It is from John chapter 8. It is uh, verses 18, uh, excuse me, 12 through 20. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, 
you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the light affects people differently. And it also can affect us in uh, powerful ways. There is even this medical condition out there that's called seasonal affective disorder. There are some people, sadly, who will get depressed uh, uh, early on during these winter months and it carries all the way through. When there's less sunshine, the days of, of darkness seem to go on and on and on and the days are darker a lot longer. And there are some people who don't even feel like getting out of bed in the morning because it's cold, because it's dark, because it's gray. Now we had a taste of some nice weather early this week. We had that splash of sunshine. It was sunny, it was bright, and then there was this wintry mix on Wednesday, and then there was this snow yesterday, and it feels like winter all over again. Well, just as we've had a time change uh, today, we also have uh, biological clocks that can get out of rhythm when we are deprived of sunlight for extended periods of time. And so light is powerful. Light is crucial to our lives. What's interesting to me is the Bible tells us that the very first thing that God created after all the primordial elements of the heavens of the earth was in fact light. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So light was God's first gift to the world. And you know that in the Bible, light is often used symbolically for things that are good and true and pure, and often that describe the very nature of God. In Psalm 27, which was our call to worship today, David describes the Lord as his light and his salvation. Psalm 104 says that God wraps himself in light like a garment. Then we turn over to the New Testament and it says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So light is this very powerful symbol that we have before us in the Bible. And then we come to our scripture reading today from John's gospel. And Jesus makes this astounding claim that he is the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, what makes this claim by Jesus even more remarkable is the very place where Jesus makes his announcement. Jesus says this at the close of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Festival of Booths. Now, we talked about this last week. Remember, when I began my sermon series, Jesus also made this claim at the close of this festival when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. And as you heard me say last week, the Feast of Tabernacles was one of the three great uh, festivals celebrated by the people of Israel along with the Passover and the, and the, and the Festival of Pentecost. It, it commemorated God's deliverance 
of his people from Egyptian slavery. Remember how God protected them and led them by a pillar of fire at night all through their wanderings in the wilderness. And the way that they celebrated during this festival was they constructed these little booths, these little huts. The people would kind of live in these tiny lean-tos made out of palm branches. And they lived in them all during this feast to remind them of how their ancestors lived in them prior to their entering into the promised land. Last Saturday, it was Coach Mike Krzyzewski's last home game as the Duke basketball coach. It is said that tickets were going for $50,000 as Duke was also taking on their big rival, North Carolina. Now, I've been to uh, Cameron Arena several times where Duke plays, and it looks like it's rather spacious. If you're watching on TV, believe me, it's not. It, it's, it only seats about 9,000 people. But what the Duke students did and have done for a long time was they put up these little booths, these little huts outside the ticket office. They call them Krzyzewskiville in anticipation of being able to get into Coach K's last home game and see the game against Carolina. That's Krzyzewskiville right there. That's on the campus of Duke University. How would you like to stay in there for weeks at a time? Well, in the Bible, this a festival of booths was a time of singing and dancing and fellowship and rejoicing before God. And one of the highlights of the feast comes on the evening of the first day when crowds sort of pack the, the courtyard outside the temple for, these, for this uh, ritual lighting of the four giant golden candles, each standing about 75 feet high and holding 10 gallons of oil each. And according to Jewish tradition, every nook and cranny of Jerusalem reflected the light of these golden candles as it lit up the entire city. But this, this ceremony was not just about looking back. It was also a reminder that God had promised one day to send another light, the Messiah, who would renew Israel's glory and serve as a light to a world that is darkened by sin. Well, it's in that exact courtyard, under the shadow of these great golden candles, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In other words, what I think Jesus is saying is, hey, hey, you think the lights coming from these candles is something spectacular? Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. As the Bible commentator William Barclay once said, Jesus could not possibly have chosen a more dramatic place and a more dramatic moment to make his great claim. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And oh, friends, we so need for this to be true, don't we? We live in a dark, dark, dark world. We live in a world of violence and poverty, a current war in Ukraine, economic uncertainties, fragmented families, COVID affecting the bodies and minds and relationships of people. There's cancer. There's loneliness. There are so many people, too many people, who are walking in spiritual darkness. 
Christian author Warren Wearsby says, the most dangerous darkness in our age is the dense spiritual darkness that blinds the minds and controls the hearts of people who have never trusted Jesus Christ or claim to know him, but don't follow him. One of the things that I've learned is that the darkness can be frightening and it can leave us disoriented. Last year, I visited the Lincoln Caverns over in Huntingdon, uh, Pennsylvania, over by Raystown Lake. And as we walked along, the guide showed us all of these uh, uh, stalactites and stalagmites and all the different geological formations inside that cave. And at one point, the, the guide wanted to show us what it was like in that cave without any artificial lighting. And so she cut this breaker switch and everything went pitch black. I mean, you literally could not see the person standing right next to you. And she went on to say that your eyes never, ever adjust to that light. And as dark as it was in that moment is as dark as it would ever be. So there we were standing in this cave. And then you get a little bit nervous as the time passes. And finally, our guide turned on her flashlight. And oh, what a wonderful feeling it was to see that light coming into our darkness. We love the light because it comforts us. It helps us to see better. And friends, I have good news for you today. That light is here. Jesus Christ is our guide who stands in the middle of our dark, dark world and says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The other thing I would share with you is that we need to be careful that we are following the, the one who is the light of the world and not just any light that happens to be available at that moment. My uh, good friend John Minahan, who pastors a Presbyterian church over in Huntington, West Virginia, told me about the time he was at the beach and he saw these little signs along the beach telling people not to use their flashlights after dark and he wondered about that and he found out the reason that you can't use your flashlights that you're prohibited from using them is because it can mess up newly hatched sea turtles who use the moonlight as a guide to help them scamper back into the sea and the flashlights actually confuse these baby sea turtles because it gets them heading in the wrong direction in other words they follow the wrong light i think the same thing can happen to us we will glom onto anything that looks new, fresh, exciting. We'll, we'll get hypnotized by anything that looks so appealing. But you know what? It's going to leave us really disappointed, like baby sea turtles following whatever flashing light that captures their attention. And so we need a greater light. We need the true light, one that is accurate and is there for us to guide us and lead us in the right direction and not deceive us. We need the one light that illuminates the dark places of our hearts, that illuminates the path for us to repent and who puts us back on the path in a right relationship with God and with each other. And friends, Jesus Christ is that light. He is the light of the world who calls his people, you and me, out of darkness. Now, there's another side to the coin that I want to share with you. Because while Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he also said to his disciples and to you and me, 2,000 years later, 
in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. Think about that. As Christians, we are to follow him and we are to reflect his glory in everything that we say and do. So God has kind of placed us in the spotlight. People should be able to look at us as individuals, as a church, and say, wow, look at how those people are living. Look at how they love. Look at how they care for another. Look at how they give of themselves. Aren't they the class of the field? Now, of course, we may wonder, well, <laughs> it's, it's awfully hot under that spotlight. What, what if I mess up? Praise God. Praise God. We have the blood of Jesus who forgives us so that whenever we stumble and fall, which invariably we will, because we can't handle the heat, handle the heat of the spotlight. So here's a question for you. How are you doing? Really, how are you doing in the spotlight? In other words, how bright is the wattage of Jesus Christ in your life? Because Jesus also added, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now we hear those words, we know those words, but you know what? We have to be careful a little bit about these words. We need to be careful because some people take these words and all oh, they adopt them, embrace them, and, and, and it becomes their favorite verse to demonstrate their moral superiority. Reminds me of Marianne Oles from my third grade class. You remember Marianne Oles? She was in your third grade class too. She always colored inside the lines, never misbehaved in class. Her hand always shot up because she had the right answer. Tattletailed to the teacher on you during recess. Mary Ann Oles let her light shine before others so that they might see her good works and you just wanted to squash her. We are to reflect the light of Christ's glory, not our own. So that people ask, where, where did that come from? That, that didn't come from just you, did it? In the movie Freedom Riders, a young teacher is assigned the thankless task of teaching freshman English at a gang-infested Long Beach, California high school. And it's a struggle. But she finally breaks through these hardened students by resorting to some rather unconventional uh, teaching methods, including reading the diary of Anne Frank. And in this scene that we're gonna see from the movie, the teacher, who's played by Hilary Swank, has invited a woman. Her name is Meep Geese. She's a Dutch citizen, and she was one of the people who actually hid Anne Frank from the Nazis. And that teacher invites Meep Geese to come to talk to those students. So we're going to dim the lights and uh, take a look. So another soldier recognized my accent. He was... Austrian, and so was I, but I had been adopted by a Dutch family. So he told the soldier with the gun to let me go. There isn't a day that I don't remember August 4th. And I think 
about Anne Frank. Yes. I've never had a hero before, but you are my hero. Oh, no. No, no, young man, no. I, I am not a hero. No, I did what I had to do because it was the right thing to do. That is all. You know, we are all ordinary people, but even an ordinary secretary or a housewife or a teenager can within their own small ways turn on a small light in a dark room yeah i have read your letters and your teacher has been telling me many things about your experiences you are the heroes. You are heroes every day. Your faces are engraved in my heart. That woman, um, Meep Geese, that Dutch citizen, she let her light shine before others, and that class of students that she was talking to, they saw her good works and it inspired them in their own lives. Well, friends, our light is not a light that comes from within, but it comes from the one the Bible calls the son of righteousness. And we are called to catch his radiance and reflect it in this darkened world in which we live. A lawyer in India once told uh, Dr. E. Stanley Jones, who was both a theologian and a missionary, I have sat at the feet of many gurus, yielding to their teaching and lauding them, but I came away from them unchanged. They did not know how to redeem human nature. I came to Jesus Christ, however, and everything is different about me, the world, and other people. In him, everything comes together. Did you know? that the word guru means dispeller of darkness. And so Jesus Christ is our real guru because of the truth he brings as the one who is the light of the world. And he promises that whoever puts their faith in him will never, ever again walk in darkness. Glory be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God of eternal light, you have shown us your glory through Jesus Christ, the one who is the light of the world. The very beginning of time, you spoke the word that replaced the darkness of chaos with life-giving light, a light which has nurtured generations of people, including plants and creatures, great and small. He's also a light which has revealed the fear and the powerlessness caused by corruption and evil actions. Oh God, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came to dispel the darkness of our fearful, disoriented, and confused lives. And while we know that our darkness is deep, 
We also know that your light is strong and everlasting. While our hearts may be torn by various circumstances in our lives, in your love, in your light, there is healing and hope. For all these things, we do give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen.